Welcome to the OVC Extra Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Schwartz, Assistant Commissioner for Strategic Communications at the Ohio Valley Conference. If you want to catch up on a previous episode, you can find us wherever you download your podcasts with complete information at ovcsports.com slash podcast. We continue our OVC 75th year podcast series by hearing from Little Rock head volleyball coach Van Compton, who is in her 35th year with the program. As the Trojans enter their first year in the OVC, Van brings a long history of success in the court, winning over 600 matches during her career. We talk about how Tile 9 has impacted the sport, the memorable 2014 season, and how she first started recruiting international athletes. Now, my conversation with Van Compton. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking time during the season to talk some uh, volleyball with me and join us on the OVC podcast. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Well, I know you've been at Little Rock for a while. When you took the job, did you imagine 34 years later you'd still be coaching volleyball at the same place? No, no, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I'm not sure that I, I'm not even sure that I even thought about it, to be honest with you. You know, who, who thinks about 34 years down the road? Maybe five, maybe five years down the road, but not 34. Does it seem, has it gone by fast? Like I, I've been in this job for 16 years and it feels like I just started a couple of days ago, really. So ha, has the time kind of gone fast on you? Quickly, quickly. And it seems like the older you get, the faster the years go. Is that right with you? That, that's right. We won't talk about age or anything though no, on, we will not. on this podcast. No. Well, I want our listeners to know this is our 75th anniversary of OVC. Obviously Little Rock just joined the league. Um, so when you, when you heard back in, in December, that time period that, Little Rock was joining the OVC. What were your first impressions when you heard that news? Well, okay, I wasn't really shocked that that we were joining the OVC because it had been talk uh, in the Sun Belt about us and you, uh, UT Arlington leaving the Sun Belt because we didn't have football. That had been talk for years, and I figured it was a matter of time, and. For, I really was not shocked because really the OVC possibly is a better fit for us uh, as far as our, you know, the number of students, uh, the, the travel involved, um, comparisons of budgets. Just if you go down the line of things that that is more comparable, the OVC is probably more comparable to us than the Sunbelt. And in the beginning, years ago, you know, maybe we were okay in the Sun Belt as far as our, you know, being able to compare budgets, coaches, everything. And hopefully this is, this is what will, will come about, that we are more uh, equal with our competition as far as everything that is concerned. So that was December. Now we're taping this podcast in September of 2022. Uh, so you haven't played an OVC match yet, but now you're, you're into the season. What are your thoughts as you get ready to play those first OVC matches in a couple of weeks? Well, you know, I'm, I'm excited, um, but a little bit apprehensive. You know, I have those two feelings. I'm excited to, to start, you know, start the season in the OVC. Um, a little bit apprehensive because I think the OVC has really good volleyball. And um, I, I don't really know exactly what to expect. Um, you know, preseason, we were, like I said, picked at the middle of the pack. I think OBC doesn't know about us. We don't quite know about them. 
so, you know, it's just kind of, uh, I, I'm kind of excited just to get it started and just let it play out just to kind of see what it is all about. Now, tell me if I'm wrong, coaches are creatures of habit. So on in the Sunbelt, you knew where you went to eat in every city, you knew the trips. So now you got new rivals, new cities, new trips. Is that exciting or does that part worry you, uh, you know, when you have to go new places? going new places doesn't it's okay because i've got patrick he's he always takes care of all the all the food and and everything and it's always the best so you know that part i'm more worried about the games the matches that part of it well i yeah. think that's a good that's a good answer so let's go back i want to take our listeners through your background so okay. you actually attended college at little rocks rival at arkansas state when you were in college did you know what you wanted to do when you were done Kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. Remember, we're going back in the day now, okay? This is a long time ago. Um, probably, I never envisioned myself coaching at a Division One level. Um, uh, my first coaching job was at an NAI school, and the AD there called me. I was in high school, teaching in high school, and the AD called me. Uh, at the direction of his basketball coach, who I had gone to college with at Arkansas State, uh, who was a basketball player, and asked me, would I come and look at their situation? And their situation was, they didn't have any women's sport. And this was a private school, Lyon College in Batesville, Arkansas. And they asked me, would I come and start the basketball program there? And then would I come in? And then after I got there, of course, it was start volleyball. It was to be in charge of all the women's, everything that had to do with women and teach class. Okay. So that was, that was how I got into that situation, stayed there 11 years. And then the athletic director here at ULR uh, called me uh, and asked me, would I consider taking the job here because they were thinking uh, at that time uh, we were here at ULR, they were NAI. And then men's basketball was going to be division one. And this was during the transition of AIAW. And I don't know if you even know what that is. Okay. Um, and they said, eventually women's basketball will go division one. And so I took the job and for the first two years we were, we were NAI and just just kind of played. Um, we would play a lot of Division One schools. It, it, it wasn't. It was a kind of. A, it really wasn't a very good time because it was a transition time. Uh, and then by my third year in basketball, uh, financially, they felt like they could not afford a D one women's uh, basketball team. And that's when they knew I had coached volleyball at Lyon College. And they asked me, would I coach the volleyball team and be the women's athletic coordinator? And I told them I would. And of course, the rest is history. Well, I'm going to ask you specifically about the 50th anniversary of Town Nine in a second. But before I do that, you bring up an interesting point because I think a lot of our listeners probably don't realize that back then people coached multiple sports and it's just what you yes. did. So that yeah. sort of, I mean, obviously has worked out for you. 
if you had had to pick back then on your own merits, women's basketball or volleyball, which would you have picked back then if you only had to focus on one? Now that's a hard question mm-hmm. in retrospect. Uh, you know, I love coaching basketball. I did love coaching basketball. Uh, but after I just coached volleyball and got over the basketball part, then I was okay. Then I was okay with volleyball. Um, I think I think probably we were successful kind of early in the Sun Belt in volleyball. We joined in '92, and we won three state th- three conference championships starting in '96, '97, '98. So I think success kind of makes you like things a little better. So. Uh, Actually, when they brought back basketball here, um, they asked me, did I want that job? And I said, I don't want to build another program. I really don't want to build another program. So I'll just stay with volleyball. So um, to answer your question, probably if I would have never coached volleyball and just stayed in basketball, that's that's where I would have stayed. But... yeah. Once, once I started coaching volleyball D one, then it was fine. That was fine. But no, it definitely worked out. So let me ask you more about the since this year is the fiftieth anniversary of Title Nine. Just expand on that. Like you know, if there wasn't Title Nine, you know, how would your career have been different? And and how has that obviously benefited the the hundreds and if it's thousands of student athletes you've come in contact with? How that's bettered their uh, college experience. Oh my goodness. Um, when my first job at Lyon College, we had no athletic aid, none. <clears throat> I took players on campus to form a basketball team and a volleyball team. And a lot of those players were duplicates. And then I had a really good AD. And then after a couple of years, we started like with three scholarships. And then we went to five, and then we went to seven, then we went to nine, and then we finally got to 12. So when I left there after 11 years, it took that long uh, to have like 12 full scholarships. And, um, and at, that, at that time, we were playing volleyball with only academic money, with Pell money, with any kind of academic grant they could get. So if you go back in time, it was it was like, and other schools had started giving athletic money, but if you had to build a program, you know, you had to come through the process. So, um, I, I, and that process was kind of hard, it was kind of hard because when you first start, you're playing against maybe a team that has eight scholarships or whatever, you know, because in increments, because coming from, we were still AIW when I was uh, at Lyon College in AI, um, we were still that. And, and it was just, it was, a, it was a process. It was a huge process. And um, to be in a situation now where you have 12 full scholarships, uh, where you you know you have equal practice time on the court. You don't have to wait till you know you know you always waited. 
the other sports always waited like at Lyon College. We waited on men's basketball. Whatever time, whatever time they took, usually prime time, we either took before or we took after. Um, you know, those things people take for granted now were not always true. That was not always the way it was. It took a lot of women speaking up and pushing the envelope that we work as hard as you, our women are as important as the men, and you know, you know the story. So it, it, it's been a long, it's been a 360 degrees. I've seen athletics come 360 degrees from the time I played with no scholarships to full scholarships. Well, you said you said there, I'm sorry to interrupt you, take for granted. And I'm not talking your players now. I'm just in generality. Do you yeah. think most people probably now do take it for granted They that student athletes in 2022 have it pretty good? Yes, yes. And they take it for granted. I mean, I can tell you that, and this is not saying anything against, um, like, any team, my team, any team. But when they come, like, you have a full scholarship, okay, uh, that's – in the day I started, I mean, that was almost unheard of, that you would have a full scholarship. Um, so it, it really is kind of like people take that, but they forget, how did we get here? How did we get here? Uh, it was through many, many, many women before me also, uh, you know, that, that started the push to try to get more things for women athletes. Well, let's talk about some of your, I want to ask you about some of your big seasons, 2014, mm -hmm. 30 and five, uh, you beat uh, the number 16 national seed Kansas. What are your recollections uh, of that season? You know, that season was, I, I, as I, as I recall that season, it was, and I have to say this, you know, when you're, in the thick of things, when you're doing it, um, it was a great season. But the pressure would be the pressure is the opposite now, because once you start winning, then the pressure is on to keep winning. And uh, it was it was a great year, and we knew that we probably had three players on that team that could have played for anybody in the country. And ultimately, uh, it, it was a year that you you just, you're probably in your career, I don't care how long you coach, probably are just going to have one year in, in your lifetime like that. And it just happened that that's when it was for us. Um, great memories, great players. They all keep in contact. Uh, you know, their memories... I mean, they think about it so fondly and so uh, what it, how it changed their life and, and what it means to them. All of that it is, is worth coaching. All of that, you know, to have that year is worth coaching for a long time. It was a great feeling. It was a great feeling. It was a great feeling every time you walked off the court for those 30 times to realize that your players performed, they love this game, they love what they're doing, and this is a great memory that no one will ever forget.
Now you mentioned you referenced Patrick Walsh earlier. He's your communications person. He gave me a lot of good notes for research on this. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about that I thought was very interesting, Lindsay Cross is a freshman on your team. Uh, yeah. and uh her uh her mother played for you. So yeah. how's what's that? How's talk about that full circle then uh, I'm not saying again we're showing our age when you have people can have daughters <laughs> and they play, but now you you gotta see that kind of uh, full circle too with a player. Yeah, it is. Um, the first year that we had volleyball here, that I coached volleyball, she she was uh, she came from Missouri, and uh, she came and played, uh, not on scholarship because we didn't have any scholarship money. I'm sure it was academic, and she ended up living in Little Rock, and um, her this is her second daughter. Uh, she had two, and Lindsay played in our club. She always played in the Little Rock Juniors Club. And um, she then, her mother, wanted her so much to come to ULR. And here she is. She's here. She is here. So we will see. Now, how does she, how does, I know she's a freshman. How's her game compared to her uh, mother's game? I don't know what positions they play, but how does she compare? Well, okay. And... 85, 86, we didn't have a strength coach, okay? We didn't have a nutrition program. What we did, I mean, we just, we were just doing it ourselves. And I mean, we would do some, we would do some weightlifting. We would do some, we would do all of that. But, you know, it was just, it was just how you learned. You would just try to read and you would just try to go to clinics or you would just try to put it together to make it as, as good as you could for your kids. Um, her mother was a middle and Lindsay is a left-handed right side player. Um, so they're two different players. And of course, Lindsay will go through a great uh, conditioning approach, uh, a program that we have here. We have one of the top strength coaches in the country. His name is John Barron. He could go anywhere and be their strength coach. And he takes pride in volleyball like he does our men's and women's basketball because we take pride in him, you know, actually taking the time to lift us and, and take the time to develop our players. He can take a player that comes in touching nine, eight, as a freshman, and when they leave, they'll touch over 10 feet. Oh. 10 1, 10 2, 10 3, 10 5. I mean, he is, he is amazing, amazing. I, the credit for 2014, hey, I have to give Coach Barron half of that credit. He took those girls, they came in, a lot of them were international players, never lifted a weight in their life, never conditioned but they were skilled, that they had the skill. So he put the other part of the, uh, he put the piece, other part of the puzzle to it. And once they become strong and, and jumped higher than they were jumping just from what they could do, then they become real players. So like I say, his, I have to give him credit because he is, he certainly deserves it. You teed up my next question perfectly about international players. I, I believe you have five this year, but 
your first international recruit is now the uh, the head coach at Bowling Green. Yeah. Let's talk about then. So how did that come about? How did you first start recruiting international players? And why has it been so important to keep them on, on your roster? Okay. The first international player, it was, it was during um, the war in Bosnia. Remember that? Okay, yep. in the 90s. We had, uh, we played Oral Roberts every year, every year. And we would beat them every year. And then in the, this, this particular year, she beat, she beat us. And she had this middle and she had this outside hitter that was just killing us. And I thought, where in the world does she get these players? So after the game, we were friends. I said, where, where are these players from? And she said, well, they're from Bosnia. And I said, really? And she said, yeah. So I came back to campus and we had a water polo team and he had a lot of international players. So I asked uh, Richard Turner, I said, Richard, do you have anybody on your team from Bosnia? And he said, yeah, I do. I said, well, you send him to my office. And he said, yes. So he came to my office. And so I said, I need some help. I need some help to get a volleyball player. Now, this was before a long time ago, 90s. Okay, think back, 90s. So, you know, nobody had nobody had an internet like where you could see all the players now wherever all over the world. Nothing like that. Everything was kind of remote. So I said, um, can you help me with some volleyball players? And uh, he said, well, he said, there's a club right down from my mom's house. And I said, he said, I can get my mom to go down there and see if anybody wants to come to America. I said, would you do that? Could you do that for him? And he said, yeah. So sure enough, he makes a phone call to his mom. His mom goes to the club. And now this was a war-torn country and I've been to Bosnia and it's still like you still see bullet holes everywhere so she goes to the gym and after they practice she asked she said is there anybody here that would like to go to America and play volleyball and Daniela raised her hand hmm. the girl at Bowling Green okay so then through the through the water polo player speaking for me we recruited, we recruited the first Bosnia. And then she helped recruit the next Bosnia and the next Bosnia. And then she eventually became, um, she became my GA and then she became my assistant. And then uh, her first uh, job was at um, LSU as an assistant. And then she went to FIU as a head coach. And then she's at Bowling Green. So um, that's how we got the first Bosnia. Has technology now made it easier to recruit, obviously, with, with video and the internet? Well, it's made easier, but nothing is a secret anymore. Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a good, that's a good point. So now, but you st now that you still have these players, how does that help your roster too? Obviously with some diversity and you're getting your people, you're mixing uh, people from different cultures in your team. Uh, has that helped your team, you know, succeed and, and grow together? Oh, I think so. I think so. You know, we're, we have a very diverse team this year. Um, and I think it opens uh, players like when freshmen come, you know, they're used to 
all the same kind, you know, just the same same thing. And it's real interesting to see how they grow when they uh, when, when they understand somebody else's culture, when they understand somebody else speaking in, that they speak different languages, and they do this and they do that. No, I, I think that's that's very much uh, a part of that was very much a part of the 2014 team. We were very diverse that year, but we were we were weighted international that year. Probably had more internationals than we did Americans, but that was really part of that culture. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I think the internet it it has helped, but everybody knows what you know now. I mean, you know. Um, when I, we recruited three players that was on the 2014 team, um, probably I was the only, I was the only, there was probably two coaches in the U.S. knew about those three players and what club team they played on. And the only reason I knew it was because I had the connection in Bosnia. So, you know how, I mean, so I don't know. Yes and no. Yes and no. Yes and well, no. Uh, I, th- I find that very interesting. And, and, you know, I, I'm sure you get the question. You don't have to go to Bosnia now to recruit yeah. these people. Right. You just, yeah. yeah. Um, I have a, three quick hitters to end on. Um, what keeps you passionate about volleyball and coaching? I love the game and I love to develop players. I love to develop players. And I, I like to, uh, See, like, take a player who has a real upside and then start with them and go through the whole process with them from being a freshman to a senior. And I love the game. I love to teach the game. And I love young people. So, you know, and and that just, I don't know, it just keeps me going. It's the perfect combination of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I sort of hit on this at the beginning. If you weren't coaching, what do you think you'd be doing right now? Um, I, I own a club, Little Rock Juniors, and I would be pushing to buy a facility and and still train train players from youth all the way up through 18. Because we have about 20, 20 something teams every year in our club. And um so we train here and we train there. So that's probably what I would do. Probably, um, hopefully, and I would I would probably do a lot of charity work, church work, stuff, things like that. But I would do, I'd probably still have a hand in volleyball. Well, I know there's no free time during the season, but what, what do you like to do that's not volleyball related outside of uh, coaching and, and, and work? I love to grow flowers. Okay. Uh-huh. Yes, I love to grow flowers. So I have flower beds everywhere in my yard. And um, of course, I have someone that's a little bit younger and stronger to help me, you know, do the heavy work. But I love doing that. Um, It has nothing to do. It's just kind of therapy to go out in the yard, work in your flowers. It's just mindless. And um, I find myself doing that whenever... I need some kind of like break, break. So, and I work out, I still work out, um, not quite as hard as I used to, but 
I still work out. Uh, try to stay healthy. So those things. Well, well Coach, I, I, first of all, I appreciate you taking time during the season to talk to us. We're so excited that Little Rock is a part of the OVC and uh, just looking forward to, to seeing your team compete this year. And uh, I just want to wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. And I've enjoyed talking with you. That was my conversation with Van. It is great to talk to individuals from our three new schools and learn about the rich history each institution brings to the storied league. If you have a suggestion for a future guest, reach out to us on Twitter at OVC Sports. As we celebrate our 75th anniversary, we want to hear from a variety of former coaches, players, and administrators to get different perspectives on what has made the OVC so great over the years. Remember to find us on your favorite podcast platform and like and subscribe to help us spread the word. You can also visit ovcsports.com slash podcast for information. Until next time, take care.